discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. So this morning, I just feel we should have a question and answer session. You know, I just, when I woke up, I woke up by God, I woke up at dawn around 3 a.m. trying to prepare for this morning's service. And the Lord said, it's not, I shouldn't shouldn't preach, I should just allow us to ask questions. Yes, and now there are questions on people's hearts that need to be answered. So we have a, a question and answer session called Ask the Arthur. Yes, and it's actually a church something. So if there's any question on your heart about anything from righteousness to relationships to to what? To sex, to business, to family, to social life, to church life, to ministry life, whatever it is, what academics, faith, the coming of Christ. The, the four living creatures. What the right says that your question is. Hallelujah. Thank you, Daddy. Daddy, please, I have a question. I want to know what the Bible's view is on surrogacy. On what? Surrogacy. Surrogacy. Oh, okay. Surrogacy. Do you know surrogacy? All right, so maybe we, we should look for the dictionary meaning of surrogate. Uh, surrogacy it has to do with someone else carrying your child okay so in these modern days you could have a sperm from a husband and a, a, an egg from a wife fertilized in a in a test tube and either put back into the wife for the child to the children to grow or put into another person sometimes a woman has a problem and cannot there are some um, they are different i mean marriage is is a is a, is a lot of things when you marry you must understand that um it comes with every surprise that it's supposed to come with do you understand what i'm saying uh, that is why modern day people want to live with um girls and boys like you want to the guy wants to live with the girl for some time and see if she can conceive before they marry and it's not right yes you are you are stepping out on the wrong foot and you, have, you may have a lot of problems in your marriage so a surrogate is a woman who has a baby for another person who is unable to become pregnant or have a baby you see uh, a woman who is unable to become pregnant or have a baby and i was saying that when I mean, marriage comes with a lot of things, and you should you shouldn't say 
my wife can't have children, so it's finished. No, there's always a way around something. You don't have to fool around. Do you see? Uh -huh. When you are marrying someone, you are marrying the person with everything that the person comes with. And you should accept it. What, what is wrong with you if you run away eh, when there's a problem? No, it means that you are not matured. Yes. You are a coward or you are not matured. Mm -hmm. No matter how powerful a, a nine-year-old or an eight-year-old girl is, she cannot conceive. Conception and fruitfulness is as a result of maturity. And it's like that even in the spirit. In the spirit, when the person is not growing up, the person cannot produce spiritual fruits. Yes. The key to bearing fruits is to be spiritually matured. Do you get it? Same with the natural. So, in the natural, if, let's say, you are married and there's a problem, there's a challenge, your wife is bleeding a lot, or something, hey, you are the husband, you're supposed to be there. I'm not supposed to run away. Why are you running to? You have to be around and go through thick and thin with your wife. That is what it means to be a husband. Not running away and looking for six girls you can, who can sort you out. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh -huh. So a surrogate mother is someone who, can, who carries a baby for somebody who cannot give birth or has a problem. There are some people who, when they conceive, it doesn't matter. The womb is not strong enough to keep the baby. It keeps passing. It's not that they can't conceive, they can't conceive, but that's a problem. It's gone into a place where now busy mothers, those who are busy and can't sacrifice nine months or ten months uh, to carry a baby, contract someone to carry the baby for them. Yeah, there's a popular um, lady, one of these ladies who did that because she was so busy. But I believe that it should, you should, there should be a good reason for it. Not because you are busy. If you are too busy to carry the child, then it means you are too busy to take care of the child. Because conceiving and carrying the child is just one-tenth of what it means to raise a child. One what? Yes. It's a lot of things. Yes. It's a lot of things. And you need two people to raise a child. A man, a father, and a mother. Not only a mother or not only a father. A mother and a father, so that there can be a balance. Okay. Uh -huh. So unless there are adverse circumstances that needs to be, you need to contract the, the the services of a surrogate mother. I don't think you should you should go for it. Yeah. But if you need to go for it, why not? All these things are things that God has given to humanity. God has given people wisdom to do that. You see, uh -huh. IVF and those things. It's, there was no God. If there's a problem, why not? There's nothing wrong. You can go for an, you can pick up an orphan, someone who doesn't like the baby, and take off the child. Why not? Nothing stops you. There's nothing wrong with you. There's no scripture that says that thou shalt not. There's none. If the Holy Spirit within gives you permission to do certain things, then go ahead and do it. The Holy Spirit is the it's God in us who shows us what to do at different points in our lives. So if, it's like someone saying, CS is evil. You know CS? Caesarean section is evil, yeah. There was a man, this is just last year, you know, and we had to come in to come and say some things before the CS could happen because the wife was dying. And the, the guy was praying 
your wife is dying and you are praying and saying that no CS no what and the, the child is not coming down it's not coming up when they did the CS and they removed the child the umbilical cord that tied the child's neck so both the child and the mother were going to die you are holding on to something that does not even exist. You believe in natural birth. Where does it come from? CS is also part of God's design. If there's a problem, we can go in and take the baby out, close the womb, and everything will be fine. The woman will be okay, the baby will be okay. You continue your life. There's no need to lose the woman and lose the baby. Or lose the woman and gain the baby. Maternal mortality is not supposed to be so high as we have it these days. So high in some countries, it's not even mentioned, but in our parts of the world, you still have it. The blessing of giving birth becomes a curse. You see, it becomes a curse because some people don't want to reason in a certain way. It's like saying, I don't take blood. You don't take blood? How? What are you talking about? You are dying. They say blood is there. You say you will not take it. Ah, it's up to you. All the best. See you in heaven. We'll meet soon. Yes. If there's an option to stay longer, why not? Yes. It's like Christians who say they don't take vitamins or minerals. Your body does not produce vitamins. Does body, but our body produces vitamins and minerals. So they, there are some that they produce, but you have to take it in. If you're a Christian and you say, I don't take vitamins, I, I don't believe in vitamins, there's something wrong with you. All the best. See you in heaven. You don't believe in drugs. What are you talking about? Drugs is God's option of keeping you um, on, around for a longer time so your faith can work. You get it? Without the drugs, you will not be around to put your faith to work. <laughs> You'd have been dead a long time ago. Uh-huh. So the drugs help you so that you have some more time to be able to read on faith. And the next time when that same thing comes, you can put your faith to work and overcome it. Yeah, you shouldn't say, oh, drugs are not whatever. You know, there's someone that's, uh, I'm going to have a meeting about drugs with someone tomorrow. It's why she needs to take her drugs. It's because she's, she's trying to put her faith to work. And she has taken all the drugs off. And it's becoming a major problem that, can, that has a very high probability of killing her. You see, God gave us wisdom. Gave us our minds to use. Christianity does not mean that your mind should go on a holiday. It also doesn't mean that your first option should be science. Do you get it? Your first option should be the Holy Spirit and what he tells you to do. At what time? That's all. I've answered you. So if God says you should do it, why not? But it shouldn't be it's like, it's your main thing. Because you have seen it somewhere. Do you get it? You'd be surprised that the mother and the baby will all vanish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The fact that I work for somebody does not mean that it will work for you. Okay? Yes, there are those, I know someone who, who I wish you could give the but her first option was, I want IVF. That was her first option. I want IVF. They did the fertilization. I think uh, three babies were, uh, were chosen, implanted successfully and all of that. She gave birth and all three died. Because we're so small, some problems here and there. IVF does not mean, it doesn't mean that it always works. It doesn't always work. It's very difficult. You think how having the thing work. So you need more faith for it to work. So everywhere you pass, you need faith. <laughs> everywhere you pass, you need faith. Okay? Hallelujah. Have I answered you? Beautiful. Any other question?
Glory, glory, glory. Any other question? You have any other question you want to ask? Feel free to ask it. The, um, these are questions online. So I'm going to try and merge two because they're about the same thing. So what do you do when you don't feel the vibe with God anymore? You wake up and you don't feel like reading the Bible and praying, as in you don't care anymore. And the second one is how do you know that is the Holy Spirit speaking to you and don't get confused with your thoughts? So the first one is what? The first one is what do you do when you don't feel the vibe? Feel, you didn't feel the vibe. <laughs> I didn't feel the vibe. <laughs> energy, energy. <laughs> you know, one of the one of the things that um you should understand, okay, as a child of God is that we don't grow up alone. You see, even Jesus took Peter, James, and John to go and pray with them. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you decided it's like you are healing Matule. You're a spiritual bulldozer. Spiritual Chuck Norris, Lone Ranger. Chuck Norris is the one bloomer he can kill one million people with this guy who just stand like that. <laughs> or commando. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You, we all need someone who is more spiritual or equally spiritual or even lower than you. That's you, you, you flow it. Do you get it? Yes. That's how it works. You shouldn't be alone. If you're alone, you always you lose the vibe. That is why we advise you to be in a department. You see, when you're in a department, there are other there are fellow choristers who may be having the struggles you have or not. But you see that there's a there's a meeting. Let's have this meeting. Let's pray. Let's do this. Let's do that. That's why we tell you, come online, let's pray. You see, those things help you. Hebrews chapter 10. There's what? It's 25. Hebrews 10. Let's read 23 to 25 so we can understand it well. Okay? Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. You need someone to provoke you unto good works. On to doing what God wants. The good work that God wants you to do is the prayer, is the study of the word. Those are some of the things, the soul winning. But you need someone. Jesus didn't send the people out one by one. He sent them out two by two. So that you can be helped by somebody else. When, you, when someone asks a question and you don't have an answer, the Holy Spirit will give an answer to the other person. And then vice versa in different you know, circumstances. So it's very important. You didn't feel the vibe? <laughs> You need two, two by two. Yeah. Even the animals that God created were two by two. You see, the ones that went into the ark, two by two, two by two, two by two. It's not good to be alone. Like God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. It's not good for you to be a Christian who is alone, lone ranger. It doesn't work. Yesterday, yesterday I was with my brothers, my brothers in the spirit, okay, who are heads of ministries doing their own thing somewhere. Yes, it was Reverend George's, Reverend George's birthday. And I, I drove from home and then went to be there just for fellowship, to hear something. Someone will say something that will, will make it, it will stir up prayer in you. 
Do you see? Yeah, it will stir up something. But if you are not having any discussion with anybody, if you are not praying with anyone, you are always alone, there's going to be a problem. Can we read the Amplified of that verse in Hebrews chapter 10, verse, verse 14? That's one of the major things that kills a lot of children of God. It's like with time, you just keep going down because there's nobody to encourage you. There's nobody to stir you up. There's no spiritual brother or spiritual... All your friends are not correct. And you are the only correct person inside. And they keep dragging you into dangerous things. You have put a hole of fire in a stone. It's not going to work. You will die. Hmm? So he says, and let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another. He wants us to watch over one another. Studying how we may stir up, stimulate and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities. Do you see? Verse 25. He shows you how to do it. Not forsaking or neglecting assemble to as, neglecting to assemble together as believers. As is the habit of some. Some people's habit is to not show up for a department meeting. To not show up. To not show up for the prayer meeting that is online. Every every night you are praying from 10 to 11. It's not some people, it's for the whole church. But you check and you see 37 people out of 100 in a particular group, 37 out of 100, 37 have come. And you are complaining that you don't, we are not feeling the vibe. You will not feel the vibe. The guys who sang there, you didn't feel the vibe. Was it just one person standing there that you were feeling the vibe? There were others with him and they were feeling the vibe together. They were feeling the vibe together. Yeah, that's what made it nice. Low ranger things is killing you. You will not feel the vibe. No energy. No energy. Oh, Charlie, who is your spiritual friend? In your, and I'm not talking about somebody from someone. Who is your spiritual friend in the church? Do you understand? All your friends are those who have sex with you or you have sex with. It's not right. Some people are not happy about what I'm saying. But it's a family meeting, so let me say what I need to say. Honestly, oh. You need someone who is spiritual, who can help you. Yeah. Not a gossiper friend. It's a problem. That is going to make you go down, down, and down, and down, and down, and down. You will not feel like reading your Bible. You will not be feeling the vibe. And you will be, you will be dying. You see? You will be dying. The Bible says two are better than one. Two are what? Better than one. So being one is not good. You have to be two. Or three. Or four. You see, when I'm going to pray for someone who is sick, I don't go alone most of the time. I normally take someone who has faith. Yeah, let's go together. I'll go with Pastor Eddie, I'll go with Pastor Alex, I'll go with Pastor Mark, I'll go with somebody. And then I'll go and pray for the person. God, I need someone who has faith to be around. Jesus, when he was going to pray for Jairus' daughter, he sacked everybody and took Peter, James, and John and the, the boys, the girl's mother and father and went inside to go and pray for the child. Because you, have, you need faith people. You see, Jesus took, even though they were sleeping in the prayer meetings, he still needed them around. <laughs> it's better. Yes. There's an the individual one, but without the group one, the individual one doesn't work. Yes. When, you light, when you are lighted up in a group and you go, you, realize, you go individual, you can, you can go for some time. And as you go for some time, you realize that the fire is coming down. You need, you need, another, you need another session of, let's, Charlie, let's pray together. If you're alone, Nobody is talking to you about the word of God on a page. You don't have a friend who when you meet, oh, I was reading this in the Bible and I saw this and I saw that, I saw that. You are in trouble. 
Those are the things that informs your personal Bible study. Yes. I've been married for almost 11 years. And almost every day, my wife and I discuss something that you learned somewhere. You heard, you saw something. Oh, I saw this. I was reading, I saw that. I didn't know it was like this. Wow. There are a lot of things I know today as a result of discussions we have had about Bible, about something, and then it shows up. When I say I'm going to see Reverend George, it's just to hear. You know, those who are my secretaries, they know sometimes they can come here. During the week, we have meetings up here. And we are praying. We can be together for six hours. Praying. Myself, Reverend George, Reverend Tedem, Pastor Alex, Pastor Dr. Nadia, different people. Just praying. And then sharing something. Sometimes it happens here, sometimes it happens in different places. To catch fire. Do you see? You hear something and then it determines, it starts, the Holy Spirit starts using that to help you. Okay? Yeah. And when you see them, you realize that you've not seen each other for three months. When you see each other, you realize that the person has gone up spiritually and you have, you have not gone up. So it challenges you like, hey, I have to be serious. I can't be there for this, my brother, to be like, he's, he's now a spiritual bulldozer and I'm a spiritual termite. No, it's not going to happen. I need to, I need to also up my game. Do you see? It helps. Yes, it helps. Okay? Yes. Yes. You always see Jesus. Jesus was never alone. I was reading a scripture, a verse in the Bible that showed that Jesus was never alone. I think I made notes on it, so let me check. Let me check my notes. That is why you also need to write because you may sometimes you may forget what God showed you. Hallelujah. Galatians 1 2. Galatians 1 2. This is about Paul. Paul says, And all the brethren which are with me. Eh, go to verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Okay? Then he says, And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Like, there were so many brethren with him. He says, As I'm writing this letter to you, there are so many people around me now, and I'm writing this letter to you. Yeah. Can you imagine? And all the brethren which are with me. And this is the, this is the note I wrote under it. You, sh- you need to write. If you don't write, you never have anything to say. Eh? Where is it? You must have the brethren with you. Never live in isolation from the brethren. Jesus always had the apostles with him. That, and that made it difficult for the Pharisees and the rulers of the synagogue to kill him before time. Pastor do you remember you were telling me about this particular thing? Pastor is the one who mentioned, I was talking to him and he mentioned this. We were talking and then it came up. And then he started, he said, I, that is why Jesus, is like, it was difficult for them to catch Jesus because he always had people around him. Always had people around him. I've preached to Christian people. And when I was preaching, I told them, someone told me that, I didn't tell them. I said, one of my sons said this. Yeah. You see, I'm le- he says, I'm just having a chat. You say something that will determine what I'm going to study or what, like, something for you to, sh- to see in the scriptures. It's not always that he's receiving from me or they are receiving from me. I'm also receiving from them. You may not even know. You may not know that as you are talking, you are actually saying something that is going to help me. Yeah. I see it. Yes. On the last day of, of his arrest, all the people were with him. All the time. And they all looked alike. It was difficult. Judas needed to give the people a sign to know who to pick up. And the sign was a kiss. The one I kiss, hold fast. That was what Judas, the one I kiss... Hold, quick, hold him quickly. Yes, you miss if you don't come. It's in Matthew. If you don't come quickly, you you you'll be gone. He needed a, a, a kiss as a sign to be able to catch Jesus. 
Because there, were, there was always people around him, all the time, all the time. And if you are hosting Jesus for a dinner, you are in trouble. The probability that you have about 200 people or 300 people coming with him is very high. It's very, very high. Yeah, Matthew 26, 48. Now he that betrayed him gave that, them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Hold him fast. Yes. So no matter what you run, you know you will not find him. Hallelujah. Yeah. So you can answer. I don't know if you want to say something about this one, and then you can answer the second. Okay. Hallelujah. So it's very important to have people that are spiritual around you. If not, you 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 go off without even know you are going off. Even sometimes, even leading to the next question, one of the reasons why people's thoughts they get the wrong thoughts is that they are not fellowshipping with like-minded people so they think wrongly sometimes someone will say something realize that a way you've been thinking that you didn't know was wrong is wrong when you mention like ah okay okay then you start to change i hope you are getting it but i just want to zoom to the next question about uh, how do you know what is the holy spirit speaking or your thoughts and the, one of the principal things is that you need to know the word of god you need to use the word of God. When the Holy Ghost speaks, he strengthens the word of God. He says he shall, he shall not teach, he shall not speak of things of himself, but he shall speak the things I have said. I hope you are getting it. So it's not, the Holy Ghost doesn't have his own words he's teaching you. That's another thing you need to understand. The Holy Ghost doesn't have his own word that he's using to teach you. He's always speaking and, and emphasizing on what God has said or what Jesus has said. That's one of the reasons why we talk about reading your Bible often. Sometimes, the, the, when we answer such a question, some people feel that immediately don't know the difference. But actually, you get to you get better as you go. It's actually a progressive thing. In Romans chapter twelve, verse two. Let's go there. Romans twelve two. It says, "And be not conformed to the to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." So your mind actually requires changes over a period of time. Don't think that when you had one time encounter, and that's what many people get to, because they had a certain encounter or something, they feel that now all their thoughts is of God. And so now they start using their thoughts to judge whether the Holy Ghost is speaking to them or not, and not rather the Word of God. So you rather have to get very often with the Word of God, reading it, get into it. You, have to, you need a renewal of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You need that. Also, people also get into this particular challenge because they are not ready to speak to their pastor about a thing. They, one, one time somebody was saying that he was going to make a decision and he said that he, he was supposed to give a feedback to a pastor about a thing. He said, oh, he was praying about it. He was praying about an issue concerning himself before talking to a pastor. And I asked, so what do you think the pastor is for? You, do you understand what I'm, what I'm saying? What do you think a pastor? A pastor is giving us a gift from God to you to help you with making decisions concerning your life. It's not somebody just tell, oh, I've finished doing this. I, I thought about this and I got the answer. If you are praying and realize you're not getting clarity, you need to go and see your pastor. Because that was the reason for that gift called pastor. To help you, to direct you. You'll be surprised that as you're speaking, you say, ah, oh, this thing is not correct at all. Look at this scripture. Then we look at the scripture. It has answered you directly about what you are talking about and it clears your thoughts. I get it. So in areas where you are very confused, most likely you are supposed to speak to a pastor about it or read your Bible some more and understand that it's going to be from, it's going to be in the process of time. You understand things by the process of time. You don't understand things at once. As you are hearing the word of God, things are changing. So always be in the position that I must submit my thoughts to the word of God. I must submit my thoughts to the word of God. Or what decision, this decision of thought I have, what scripture, what 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 scripture do I know about it? What what is God's word saying about this thing? Then it has established it for you. 
in Jesus' name. Beautiful. Verse 2027. The spirit of man is a candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. The spirit of man is what? The candle of the Lord. The spirit of man is, is like is the light of God. The light that God uses to guide the man. Okay? Uh, and you need your you need your your spirit man to be a sure guide. You need you need that to happen. And for that to happen, you need the word of God because the word of God is God's language. The Holy Spirit's language is the word of God. In John chapter 12, God spoke. Jesus was talking and God spoke. I have both glorified and glorify you. But the people who were around had it as thunder. Can you show us that verse? They had it as, as thunder. So God can be speaking to you and you'll be hearing it as thunder. Because you're, you, you, have, you are yet to understand the language of God. Okay? Okay? You see, I'm speaking a language that exists. Does it exist? Who understood what I was saying? Uh, some people understand. But some of you don't understand. Why? Even, you, don't, you don't know because your mind has not been trained to understand it. So God can be speaking, and because your mind has not been trained to understand what God, God's language, you can't understand. What is God's language? God's language is the word of God. And when you train yourself with the word of God, you see that when God says A, you understand. When God says come, you understand that it's God actually saying come, not my mind. Please, you understand. Can you speak some ever for us? <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to talk when I'm out there. For me, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to talk to you. Yes, I'm All I'm here is pop, 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 pop. That's all. How many of you understand what you're saying? Yeah, bro. Yeah, a lot of you, bro. You understand? Do you get it? Huh? But it's a long way that is, is that it exists. It's one of the languages I'm hoping to understand and speak. Because, you see, if I don't understand it, when I get to heaven, I must speak ever. I tell you. I really want to understand it. Yeah. Because of the level of acceptance you have. When you're in the water region, you say, Men negotiate, hey, what's up? Uh-huh, what do you need? It's so nice. <laughs> so God has a language. You're telling me about God has a language. And his word is his language. Jesus called himself Alpha and Omega. Alpha is the first letter of the, of the Greek, and Omega is the last letter, the last alphabet, I mean, the last alphabet of the Greek. You see, when he met John, he told him, I am Alpha and Omega, Revelation 1 8. But it's the same thing. He says, I am, Jesus is the one, he says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I am the beginning of the alphabet and I'm the end of the alphabet because I am the language of God. The language of God is his word. And Jesus Christ is the word of God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. 
God who had sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken unto us by son. The word his is in brackets, isn't it? That means that it's not in the original translation. So actually, they put, it, they put the his there for it to sound good because they couldn't understand what he was trying to say. God has in these last days spoken to us by son. doesn't make sense. But the word by is N, E-N in the Greek. And you can use, it can be translated as in. So the ASV, look at the ASV. It says, has in the end days, end of these days spoken unto us in. Obviously, he didn't say by, he said in. In, into bracket, his son. So it can read this way, in God has spoken to us in son. It doesn't sound nice. It doesn't sound correct. But if you went to school and then you came home and you told your brother that, oh, today our lecturer spoke to us in French, would it be bad? It's correct. Why? Because French is a language. Because the sun is a language, God also chose these words. God has in the end of these days spoken unto us in sun because the sun is the language of God. Why? Because the sun is the word of God. John 1, 1. In the beginning was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. John 1, 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Do you see? And his name is Jesus Christ. So Jesus, the son of God, is the word of God, which is the language of God that God uses. If you want to understand the language of God, what do you need to do? Just study the word. Be reading the Bible consistently. And when you are hearing something, let's say your mind is telling you something, check with the scriptures to see if it is consistent with the word of God. If it's not consistent with the word of God, then it's your mind. It's not God. Now, you're asking, um, how about things concerning daily life? When you learn to listen to God on the major things that he has said in his word, that are there, glaringly there, then you learn the small, small ones as well. And it takes time. It doesn't happen in 24 hours. It takes time. With time, you see, the Holy Spirit will comment about your shoe. He will comment about your dress. And you will know the Holy Spirit. My wife, you know, was in a club somewhere. And the lecturer taught the thing very well. And then she went to, after the, like, the lecturer taught the thing very, it was very powerful for her. But she went to say thank you to the lecturer. Thank you for teaching me so well. When she took two steps, ten and two, two steps, the Holy Spirit said to her, Hey, so me there, you don't say thank you to me. You have been, you are saying thank you to this guy, you don't say thank you to me. I mean, I've been teaching you all this while, you don't say thank you. Say, oh, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry, thank you. It's the Holy Spirit comments about every single small thing. I see what I'm talking about. But then it starts with the major things. The major things. And as you learn to obey him in the major things, the major things of what the word has said clearly. Hmm? What the word of God has said, what? Clearly. Then you see that the other thing starts coming gradually. It takes time, but then with time you see that it comes. Alright. So learn God's language, or else you'll be hearing thunder. John 12. God will be speaking, and you hear, grush, 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 grush. Grush, 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 grush. You will not hear much. You will not know what's going on. Meanwhile, God is talking to you clearly. Clearly, you don't know. Jesus was talking, and he said, Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice, John 12, 28, from heaven, saying, I have both glorified a voice, O King, saying, eh? I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Look at the next verse. The people therefore that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. So they heard it as what? 
Just like when you're hearing the ever hear good boy, you're hearing bah bah bah. You are hear, you are hearing something, but you can't decode what is being said. It is just a sound in your in your ears. It's noise. Bash, 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 bash. Quick, quick. And there's a quick, quick people. You see, my mom is from a, my mom is a Kapim, and they have uh, the the in, uh, what's, what are they being called? What the Guans? There's a se- se- section of the Guans and Latte. Those people. Uh, I can speak their language, can you imagine? Yeah, because I grew up, you know, hearing it all the time. Maybe. Do you eat? Oh, you bale, ah? Yeah, yeah, me bale. You see, it's a language. How many of you understood what I just said? Yeah, you see, there are human beings here who understand what I, the Greek I just spoke. They understand. It exists, it's there. But your mind has not been trained. My mind was trained to understand it because I was with them. As they were talking and saying it, you know, that's why you need to be around the word. As you are hearing it, playing it, and all of that, you wouldn't know. You, you will not know, but you are just speaking the voice of God. The next time you hear it's being said, it's like someone, an ever man who has been in a, at a place where there's no ever, and then he hears ever somewhere. Hey, who, who is that? <laughs> who is that? Did you just speak ever? Eh? It's like walking in a certain place in America and then hearing someone speak to you. Oh, my brother, God bless you. Even if the person has a bad character, you become friends by force. Do you see? Uh-huh. So the language of God is God's word. And when you learn it, you see that it becomes easy to know, to decipher between the voice of the spirit, the voice of your flesh, the voice of your mind, and all of that. The voice of the flesh is the emotions. You see? The voice of your mind is what? Reasoning. Then the voice of your spirit is a conscience. Okay? It's a part of, the, of, the, of your spirit, your conscience. But your conscience is not correct until it is educated with the word of God. Your conscience cannot guide you. Where? Because some people's conscience have been seared with hot iron. They need the word of God for things, for your conscience to start guiding you rightly, leading you rightly. Okay? I hope I've answered it. All right. Any other question? Daddy? Yes. Yes, please. Thank you for the opportunity. My question is in line with um, hearing uh, the voice of the Holy Spirit and then the inward intuition. Because I don't really... (laughs) I'm more familiar with the inward intuition. That's in, that's how I'm guided mostly. I don't really hear a voice. I don't hear a voice. I don't hear a voice. But so I want to Welcome ask to the cloud. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just led by go here, go here. I don't And hear that's good anything. enough. That's how God actually leads us. That's the prime way God leads us. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. The Spirit himself, not itself, the Spirit is a person. So the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. So the Holy Spirit bears witness. That's why I said the Spirit of man is a kind of the Lord because the Lord goes through your spirit to guide you. Do you get it? And he says he bears witness. It's called the inward witness, which you are calling as intuition. Inward witness. There's an inward witness concerning your salvation. It starts with your salvation. And it continues from your salvation all the way through your life. 
That's how you find a wife. That's how you know how, which school to go to. That's a primary way. And your spirit man needs to be educated with the word of God in order for the Holy Spirit to be able to bear witness with your spirit easily about various things. That's what I just spoke about. I don't know if I'm making sense. That's a primary way. There's an inward witness which every child of God has. Kenneth Hagen had God, Jesus appearing to him between 1952 and 1950, I think six years or so. Continuously, I think about five times or something like that. Jesus will come, pull a chair, sit down with him and have a discussion with him about various things. What a shock. That's the, that's the, the gift of prophecy right there. You see, it's, it's just open, open vision. Jesus is talking to him like, I mean, practically. After those appearances, Jesus appeared to him and told him that it's okay. I'm not appearing to you again. You must function like every child of God in this world by going through the inward witness. Is there was the subscription has expired? <laughs> yes, you are not going to have any other way. This is the way you are going to go through because that's that's actually the, the method that God has chosen to speak to his children. The inward witness. If you're born again, experience how many of you know you're born again? How many of you know if you die today, you are going to heaven? If you know, you know because of the Holy Spirit's witness in you. You just know. Without a shadow of doubt. You don't need an external person to tell you that you, you, you will not go to heaven. You just know that when you leave this earth, you are, you are going to be with the Lord. Absent in the flesh, present with the Lord. You just know. Now, that same knowing is the same knowing God wants you to have concerning everything. Concerning your finances, concerning your, your marriage, concerning your children, concerning so many things. That same assurance. And the Holy Spirit bears witness of that spirit to concerning various aspects of our lives. Okay? That is why you need to humble yourself and learn the language of God, which is God's word, so that when he's bearing witness with you, he can have a discussion with you concerning various things in the language that he knows, so that you can be guided. You want to know which job to choose. You need the inward witness. You see? Uh, you need the inward witness. One of the ways that makes the inward witness very high is prayer and fasting with the word of God. As you are praying and fasting, you can make good decisions as you are praying and fasting. Spend time praying and fasting in order to be able to make good decisions and make decisions by the Spirit. Eating and drinking all the time does not... You'll be shocked that your mind will be talking to you all the time. Your mind needs to be calmed down. It's, it's, the, the, the fasting is humbling yourself. It always says you, you humble, you know, it's, it's a, your flesh. It's a way of humbling yourself. And as you are humbling yourself, like your flesh is humbled, your mind is humbled, everything. And then God can easily flow and say what he needs to say to you. So those children of God who are not into prayer and fasting, who want to hear the, the voice of God, it's like you are joking. You can hear some things, but there are some things you can't hear. And there are things you say in your hall, and there are things you say in your bedroom. You can't say some things to your wife in the hall when everybody's around. Everybody's around and you're talking about something. You have five people around and you're telling your wife. You can't have it. You have to go deeper. When you go deeper, we can do some things. It's the same thing spiritually speaking. We need to go deeper with the Lord. When you go deeper with the Lord, then you can hear. I don't know if I'm making sense. So prayer and fasting, I mean, and not the announced one. Oh, we are, we are praying. 
your personal... This week I'm going to pray and fast. Just for guidance concerning various things. If I don't get it, I'll do it again. The fact that you did two days and you didn't hear anything, that's not mean that ah, I've been fasting and praying. I'm not... Hey, sometimes you call, you call um, Echo Bank. You have a problem with your account. You call Echo Bank. You call, or you call ECG. Your lights have gone off. You call ECG. You tell you, hold on. Yeah. You are working. All, they will say that your call is being recorded. And the bees will be playing. Do you say, ah, this is what's wrong with them? You call until you get somebody. And then you, you express yourself. Even that one, sometimes the first contact, you don't get the result. They will tell you, call tomorrow at this time. You call, ah, you know. You don't get angry. Why are you getting angry? Because you fasted for two days and you didn't hear anything. Your call is being recorded by God. Don't worry. Actually. Come again. I see what I'm talking about. Yeah. So these are principles that God has laid down that needs to be employed. And it's in Acts, Acts chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. They were in the church that was at Antioch. Certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manain, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And it says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, as they were worshipping the Lord or just hanging around God and fasting, the Holy Ghost said, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work unto have called them. The Holy Spirit said something as they were fasting and praying. So when you are fasting and praying, you give yourself an opportunity for the Holy Ghost to say something to you, either audibly, okay, which you don't look for. You are not looking because it's God who chooses to speak to us audibly or not. You can check the scriptures and see how many times God spoke to people audibly, especially in the New Testament. You can check and see. It's not much. They were led by the inward witness. Acts chapter 16 from verse 4. Look at Acts 16, 4. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that the ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. Verse 5. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Verse 6. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and, and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. How did the Holy Ghost forbid them from preaching the word in Asia? By the inward with the gospel. We don't have any. There's no. The Spirit said no. They were forbidden. As they were praying about it, it was like, don't go. They felt that they shouldn't go. Next verse. After they were come to Mysia, they assayed or tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them. The Holy Ghost did not allow them. How? Because they were fasting and praying. And then, it's like, when you ask you are fasting and praying, you see that you are guided. You are just guided. And you feel like you shouldn't go here. If you are feeling that you shouldn't go, don't go. You'll be surprised at what you'll be, you'll be spared of. After they were go, they, they tried, but the Spirit suffered them not. Verse 8. And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas. Verse 9. It says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Who gave the vision? Did Paul ask for the vision? It appeared to him. The Lord spoke to him. In the night. It's called a night vision. This was a dream, even. Other versions you see a dream. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him or asked him, saying, Come over unto us, unto Macedonia, and help us. And when he woke up, look at Genesis. Next verse, please. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering eh, that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto, it, unto, them, unto them. Let's read Amplified or a lighter version so we understand. Assuredly gathering. It's like they weren't so sure, but I've seen a vision, I think. Just like any of us. I think I saw this or I heard that. I feel this is what God wants me to do. 
And then a servant of God can convert. One of the, the ways God uses to talk to you is through his servants, like Pastor Eli said. A servant of God can be used to help you, to show you what to do. Not someone who does not know you. Don't stop a prophet on the road and say, I'm, I'm trying to make a decision, I don't know. No, that's not the job of a prophet. Do you understand? You are going to be scammed very soon. Or someone is going to sleep with you very soon. You'll be shocked. God gave pastors. Look for your pastor and talk to your pastor. Who knows you? Which, which patient in his right senses will look for a doctor who does not know him at all? You look for a doctor who knows you or a doctor who knows the problem as a re- and has your history and knows what is going on in your body and can tell that this, the disease has actually moved to this side. So don't say, well, my pastor knows me. When I go and say, he will say that it is God's of this and that. He's the one to talk to you. Okay? And when he has seen the vision, we, we including look at once and endeavor to go on into Macedonia. Confidently inferring. Confidently what? Do you understand inferring? In the here. We don't understand. Inferring that God had called us to proclaim the glad tidings, gospel to them. We, we inferred. It was an inference. We felt that. This is it. And when they moved, it was actually God telling them to move. And a lot of things happened. Okay? So that is what, that's the primary way. Inferring. You have inferred. What does it mean? It means deduce or conclude something from evidence and reasoning rather than from explicit statements. Say it again. They didn't hear it. Deduce or conclude something from evidence and reasoning rather than from explicit statements. Beautiful. I'm sure you understand. You've gone to school. Next verse. Oh, okay. We are done. We are, I think we are, are you okay? Beautiful. There are a number of questions. Yes. Yeah. Please. Over 20 questions. Over 20 questions. Oh, yes. Please, I have two Muslim friends and, then they, are, and they are very depressed people. I've related, very what? Depressed oh. people. I've related to them in a way that I'm now their confidant. Confidant and I'm afraid their saddest nature and depression is getting to me. As in affecting me. Yeah, what you're do afraid I do? what? He says that their saddest nature and depression is getting to me. As in it's affecting me. What do I do? Cut yourself. That's the answer. He says they are his best friends. No, two Muslim friends, and they are very depressed people, and they are people that now they confide in him or her, and now their 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 behavior is now affecting her or him. I don't well, know. Well, what should they what should they do? Oh yes, they should pray for them. They should lead them to the Lord. They should come to church. Exactly. You pray for them. Yeah. Okay, but if it's yes. affecting you, pull yourself away. It's as simple as that. The Bible didn't say, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for only marriage. Paul was not talking about marriage. Easy English. Okay, easy English. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Easy English. Now, probably you can go up so that you see that he's not talking about marriage. Go to 12 so that we see it well. You are not straightening us, but you are straightening in, in, in your own bowels. It's a very, these are very nine scriptures. Maybe it's in the future preaching. For now, now for a recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children. Be ye, be ye also blanched. Be ye not unequal. So he's not talking about, it was, there was nothing about marriage. He was talking about his apostolic ministry, how the people were not accepting him and all of that. 
and he says, he starts talking about this, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what has fellowship has the righteous, has righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion has light with darkness. I'm not saying don't have Muslims as your friend, your friends. What I'm saying is that don't become so close that you are the one they confide in. If you are confiding in you, they need to give their lives. You need to share the gospel with them. Because I don't know what, how, what you are saying to them. What are you using to help them? Your brain is not big enough to help them. There's nothing, there's not much you can do. You can only use God's word to help them. You see, that's, that's the best you can do. Can you show us the easy English if you have it, please? Do not try to be united with people who do not believe Christ. Don't try. God has made you right with himself, so you cannot work together with people who are not right with him. Light and dark are completely different. You see, so that's kind of like we are very close. My favorite friend is Bash. My best friend is Bash, a.k.a. Bashiu. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult... God doesn't want... I know, I mean, I have friends who are Muslims. But they are not my... Bosom. Bosom. <laughs> like you share egg. I mean, you don't do that. You crack egg and, and eat. Please understand. So if it's especially now that you are having this kind of problem, you should you should step aside so that the sadist nature does not affect you because it is affecting you as you are saying. So the best counsel I'll give to you is to simply step aside. Tell them, Charlie, I need to concentrate. It was affecting you now. Don't be Chuck Norris. Before long, you are no more. Sometimes the blue man dies. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Next question, please. Does anybody want to add, add any to, anything to? Yeah. Just want to about this one. Question about this one. I want eh. to add something. Okay, let, let's hear one from here and then we'll come to you. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to add that. You also have a question? You have a question? Yes, I mean, you want to add something? Yes. Add you want to add, who wants to add? <laughs> <laughs> they should speak to their shepherd. Beautiful. It's a good answer. Yes. And it's not because I just, I just felt that that's what somebody is thinking. It's not because they are Muslim. It's because they are unbelieving. Stop thinking. There are people who are not in any particular religion. Or, they are the West. The thing is, you cannot be, you know, the Christian world, we just spoke about how that you can't grow alone in your spiritual work. Do you understand what I'm saying? Stop looking at who you have to take out. Rather be looking at where are you going to. When you start looking at who you want to neglect and put out, you get confused. You look at where you are going to. Is if you are going to Kumase, I can be somebody you know very well. I'm going to Kumase, you are going to, the other guy is going to Cape Coast. We cannot be in the same bus. Not because you are evil from the devil and you, you deserve to die. But it's because we are not going the same direction. If we're going the same direction, we'll go together. But we are not going the same direction. Because then people start to twist it and rather use canal mindset about the whole thing. It's where are you going to? Where you are going to? What do you need to help you to go where you are going to? As you are going where you are going, it, and the person wants to go with you, the person will join. And then you can go together. So it's not, don't limit it to when somebody says, I'm a Muslim. It's like, I don't talk to you. Hey, hey, hey you're a Muslim. Don't, don't come close to me. That's not what we are saying. Or you are this. No, no, no. I'm going somewhere. Where I'm going to, if you like, we go. If you're not going where I'm going, that's why we are not talking as much. First Corinthians 5. 
last but three verses. Now, this is a verse, these are verses concerning a guy who was sleeping with his mother. He was a church member, but he was fooling around. You see, and Paul said, don't company with such a guy. Okay, so this is verse 11. It says, but now I have written unto you not to keep company. Go up, go to verse um, 8. Purge out therefore the old living. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old living, blah, blah, blah. Verse 9. I wrote unto you an, in an epistle not to company with fornicators. He says, don't company with what? Then he says, not yet, not altogether with the fornicators of this world. Have you seen it? He knows that there are fornicators in this world. He says, he's not saying, I'm not talking about the fornicators of this world. Or with the covetous or extortionists or with idolaters. For them, as you need to go out of the world. Let's read a lighter version. Maybe you don't understand. A lighter version of verse 10. But I had not, I, I, I had not in mind the sinners who are outside the church or those who have a desire for and take the prop, property of others or those who give worship to images. For it is not possible to keep away from such people without going out of the world completely. So he's, he's saying, um, you can relate, but they shouldn't become your best of buddies. They are lying on your bed. They are lying on their bed. They are bathing and standing there. I mean, do you understand what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. It's English. But I did not mean people who do not know God. I did not mean that you must stay away from all those people. Some of those people often have sex with people who are not their own wife or husband. Some of them want more things than they need. Some of them take things that belong to other people. And some of them worship false gods. To stay away from all these people, you would have to leave this world. It's clear. So that's not what we are talking about. Okay? So balance yourself. Yeah. You had a question? You have a question? I want to know what the Bible says about piercings, tattoos, um, wearing wigs, and then putting on makeup, and then wearing anklets. Hey, like you really, you really want an answer to those things. First Corinthians. Yes, and wearing anklets. And wearing anklets. First Corinthians chapter three, verse thirteen. Always remember, okay, that your body, the Bible says, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Always remember. Go to verse 14. Verse 15. Verse 17. Verse 16, rather. Uh -huh. Look at this. He says, Don't you know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Verse 17. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So let this give you an answer to all your questions. Does he answer you or doesn't? Let me explain some more. It's not only your spirit that is for God, your body. Eh? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Now go to chapter six. Same book, same chapter, chapter six, uh, chapter, same book, chapter six, rather. Let's read verse um, 15. Knowing not that your bodies, not your spirits, 
your bodies are the members of Christ. We are not only members of Christ by our spirits. We are two members of Christ by our bodies. If you understand how important this body of yours, you will not treat it anyhow. This is your body. When you resurrect, it's the same body you have. Glorified. The Bible never said that our body is not important. The Bible always said that our body is important. The Bible tells us how to handle our bodies. You understand? Now, you may have been in the world, you got a tattoo, you got some piercings and all of that, and you came in. What can you do? What you do? Let every man stay as he is when he came in. It's never, it's also there. He says, knowing that your bodies, your bodies are the members of Christ, shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. Verse 16. What know you not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two seeth he shall be one flesh. Verse 17. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Verse 18. Flee fornication. Everything that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committed fornication sin against his own body. Verse 19. What know you not that your body, you see, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. Verse, verse 20. For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God where? Where? So does that thing glorify God? Does the anklet glorify God in your case? Does the piercing glorify God in your case? Does the tattoos glorify God in your case? What, what is it? Is it because you have seen someone doing it so you want to do it? What is the Holy Spirit who owns your body saying to do with your body? That is the answer. I will not tell you whether you should pierce or you shouldn't pierce or you should do a tattoo. Because some people are told by the Holy Spirit to do it. And others are told by the Holy Spirit not to do it. Some people are told by the Holy Spirit to do it so that they can attract a certain group of people to dye their hair in a certain way, wear in a certain It's the Holy Spirit who told them to do it. Don't come and tell me the Holy Spirit told you something that the Holy Spirit has not told you to do. When you go into heaven, you meet him like that. Hmm? Go. So this is 1 Corinthians 7. Go, go up. Go, go to verse 18. Go to verse 18. It says, Is any man called being circumcised? You were called and you were circumcised already. Oh, do you understand? It says that when you came into Christ, you already had circumcision. They had done circumcision on you. It was a discussion between circumcision and circumcision and whether someone, when you become, born, you become born again and you are not circumcised, you should be circumcised. And Paul was trying to explain that however you came is however you stay. Do you get it? Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is anyone, is any called in, in uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. If you came without, you understand circumcision? They have removed the foreskin or not. It was a main issue at that time because this is what qualified you to be a Jew or not. Jews were circumcised, Gentiles were not circumcised. The covenant that God struck between himself and Abraham had a sign and the sign was circumcision. So some people were preaching that if you are born again and you are not circumcised, you are actually not correct. You need to be circumcised. It was a major problem there. The first council of the church is called the Council of Ephesus. And they sat on this particular case in Acts chapter 15 to determine whether you needed circumcision or not if you are born again. And the, the answer was that you didn't need to be circumcised because Christ has circumcised our hearts. Not our, he's not looking at our skin. Do you get it? So in this place, Paul is saying that if you came in circumcised, Stay circumcised. Don't know that you are going to become uncircumcised. If you came in uncircumcised, hey, you came in uncircumcised, continue as you are. Do you get it? Next verse, verse 19. Circumcision is nothing and non-circumcision is nothing, but the keeping of the commandments of God. The most important thing is that you are respecting God, keeping what God says to do. If God does not want you to keep doing certain foolish things when you come in, why is it that now that you have come in, you want to do those foolish things? Do you understand? 
Next verse, 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 verse 20. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Let everyone stay how he was called. So if you, when you, you got born again, you have 17 tattoos. Hey, what can you do? Come to church with your 17 tattoos. We love you. We are cool with you. If you had piercings seven here and seven here before you got born again, now that you are born again, we will not say remove your piercings, but the Holy Spirit inside you. So you see some people in church, they will come to church with a certain kind of dressing. We will not say anything. We will just keep preaching. With time, you see that the dress is becoming longer and longer and longer and longer and longer until it covers the knee. There was a lady who came to church some time ago. I couldn't look at her. The last was too much. It was too bad. But I, I didn't comment because if I comment, that will be the end. She will never come to church again. What kind of commentary on my blessing? I won't say anything. I'll just keep preaching. Jesus loves you. <laughs> glory, glory, glory. Ask, keep hearing the word of God, and the Holy Ghost in you keeps instructing you. It's because the change is not only for church. The change is for your life. It's for everywhere. Because you come to church wearing a long dress, and then you go home and you see. When you are stepping out, you pump the breast like this. And you put Jesus Christ inside. We are going. When I see you outside, oh, pastor, oh, pastor. In church is long, but outside, that is not what God wants. It's not, it's not about here. It's more than that. God wants your heart to change, your mind to change, so that you honor him and glorify him in your body. So you are asking yourself, is, are you piercing because you want to look hip? Are you wearing the anklet because you want to look hip? Or you feel it glorifies God? What, what, what is it? That is the question. Is it just a trend you are looking at? Do you understand? Yeah. I don't know how else I should answer it for you. But if the Holy Spirit in you is telling you to go and pierce, go ahead. I don't mind. Nobody mind. We don't mind. But if he's telling you not to pierce and you go and pierce, he says you are not keeping the commandments of God. I see it. There are pastors who have um, tattoos. Many ta- that is how they were called. That's why, how they came in. Can't do anything about it. You can't do anything about it. If you are in and you see a brother has a tattoo, your sister has a tattoo at the back. Here. It's nice, so. Hey. It's when your husband is having sex with you, he'll be seeing it like that. It's very nice. The reason why you are going for that, my friend, let me say what I need to say. The reason why you are going for it is not because of Jesus Christ. It's because, hey, it would be nice, so I'll look more sexy. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. When it comes to earrings, wigs, and all of that, First Peter chapter 3. You, you, you shouldn't, you see, look at this. Let's read from verse 1 so you understand it very well. Okay? Now, you must look beautiful. Tell anybody, you must look beautiful. You must look handsome. One of the things, one of the fruits of the Spirit is gentleness. Gentleness. And gentleness has to do with excellence. You see, so you must look excellent. You must look beautiful. You must look cute. You must look attractive. But not look lustful. You must not communicate last. Or communicate, you see, a lot of the ladies communicate last. Communicate things that they are not supposed to communicate. That and that is the problem. 
He says, likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also without the word may be won by the conversation of the wives. Verse 2. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, then he says, Whose adorning? Whose adorning? Let it not be the outward adorning of the plating, of plating the hair, and of wearing of gold, of putting on of apparel. Next verse, verse 4. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Are you seeing it? Now, can you put verse 3, verse 4, verse 3 and 4 together? And let's read it in the Amplified. He says, let yours be the, let not yours be the merely external adorning with elaborate interweaving and knotting of the hair. He didn't say you shouldn't weave your hair or, but, you see, it's like your focus, your life, your, your beauty, your presence is only in that. And it's like, when you go to the salon, you, you want it to be done in a certain way. You are always looking for certain types of styles. Yeah, you are forgotten about Jesus Christ. That's not that he doesn't want that to compete with Jesus in the Christ. Do you understand? Eh? Interweaving a knot of the hair, the wearing of jewelry or changes of clothes. It's like every time you are looking at which clothes you can wear, if it has consumed your whole life. God doesn't like that. God wants your attention. There's nothing wrong with wearing a wig. If my mother wore it and you wear it. You are sanctified because you are the body of you are the temple of Christ. So is that, that I'm not those things is not a problem at all. Lipstick is not a problem. Hey, you look nice with the lipstick, with the eye shadow, kaji kaji. I mean all those things. There's nothing wrong with it. But when it becomes your your main thing, I mean sometimes there's a problem wearing shades, even. Yeah, shades. The jeans was a problem. I mean, all kinds of things. I mean, those things we shouldn't get into it because it's not New Testament speaking. It's not correct. It's not correct. But don't do something that will make you communicate last, communicate confusion when you appear. Everybody's confused. All the guys are confused. It's offensive when you stand on stage and your body is drawn in a certain way. Like it's like you don't understand some things. You don't understand that. Man look at on the outward. Man look at where? You will say God is looking at my heart. But we are human beings here. We are looking outward. We are forgotten about all that you are saying. We are looking at your body. Hey, Charlie, the girl is fine. Hey, Charlie, hey. Are they like guys? Are they like? You are taking attention of Jesus Christ. You are leading worship. Yes, way. Yes, way. And your breast is shaking like this. The bra is not tight enough. You have worn something. No bra, braless. Hey! Your nipples are showing a thing. You are spoiling our mind. We can't focus on Jesus Christ. We are focusing on you. On your breast. That's what you are focusing on. You'll be shocked. All the guys, they look on the outer. Everybody looks on it. Everybody, including me. We all look. Yes. But let it says changing of clothes. Today is this clothes, tomorrow is this clothes. You are spending so much money. This it's a problem. Your, your husband will have a problem with you. Huh. 
Okay, now let's it says, let it be, but let it be the inward adorning and beauty of the hidden person of the heart. That's the most important thing. Your spirit, your character becoming correct. That's the most important thing. Okay, with the incorruptible and unfading charm of a gentle and peaceful spirit, which is not anxious or rotter, but is very precious in the sight of God. So God addresses these things. Then the one in First Timothy 2 9. 9 to what? 10. 9 to 10. In the easy English. Look at this. I was reading the Bible one day and I saw it. And then we checked the English and we saw it like this. Also, I want the women to wear proper clothes. Proper what? Women should wear clothes that do not show their bodies too much. Is English. A woman should not wear clothes that cause other people to be ashamed about her. Like you are so voluptuous that. Like when we see you, it's like. Hmm. Charlie. Did you see? Whether in church, he's not saying in church, he says everywhere. Everywhere. Like, there's too much. And you are wondering why the lecturers are following you. They want to. You are wondering what is wrong with you. If you were covered properly, no lecturer will see something. Yeah. My wife has shape by the grace of God. I tell you. The grace of God. But my wife never had any of those things that uh, someone is uh, lecturer is wearing her. Listen. You should see her dressing when she was in school. I tell you, she had a certain jean skirt that she used to wear from here to here. <laughs> I was covered. She just and then with her, she just moving around. I came to school. I didn't come for proposals and whatever. But some of the girls around today, these days, I mean, if you want to see certain things, just drive Legon, Leg- TF, TF going, and look on your left as you are going. And like you can park and you see. And they are going to lectures with it. And they are worrying why the they are wondering why the lecturers are worrying. What are you talking about? I mean, you are selling something, who will buy? They will buy. You like my message or you don't like my message? Are you offended? As a ladies by you, are you offended by what I'm saying? You brought the question. He says, women should not, eh? Women should not do their hair in an expensive way. That takes a lot of time. This is the problem. Nor should they wear gold or beautiful stones or expensive clothes. Because you are spending all your life's investments on certain types of earrings, certain types of things, all the time. Are you in the church? Verse 10. Indeed, women should do good things. Christian women, Christian women say that they live for God, so it is right for them to do good things. This is what makes them beautiful. Clap for Jesus for what you have said. So if it doesn't, if you notice, if and you see, it's according to your spiritual maturity. As you are growing the Lord, you will learn that beauty is vain. Proverbs chapter, 30, Proverbs chapter 31. Last verse of Proverbs chapter 31. Yeah. You will learn. Yeah. My wife said one day she was praying. I'm mentioning her a lot because these are some of the things. She was praying and then she, God told her the scripture. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. But the woman that feared the Lord, she shall be praised. So I don't know which one you want. 
Do you see? A woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. So your fear for the Lord should, your fear of the Lord should, ends up guiding you as to what you wear, tattoos, whatever. When you fear the Lord, you won't, is, if it's, is, is it for, is it the Lord, if it's not the Lord, Charlie, let me stay, let me stay back. Is it the Lord for me to break my hair? If it's not the Lord for me to break my hair as a guy, why should I break my hair? Let me stay, let me stay back. If you have, you came in your bed, we are not saying go and remove your hair. As you are hearing and hearing, if the Lord wants you to take it off, just take it off. You will know that the Lord wants you to take it off. And then you just take it off. Do you understand? But I shouldn't be here with you. I'm here with you. We're all flowing. We're all good. And then one day I just see you. And you have you. I just see you after and then you have braided your you have done Rasta. Ah. My guy. What happened? My friend, my friend. I will comment. Do you get it? I will comment. But if, if you came in, there are some guys who came in with that. Pastor Mark came in with braided hair. Pastor Mark. He had braided braids, yes. He had braids. In the middle. Ah. As the word of God is coming, you see, sometimes some meetings we have will demand that you should braid your hair. Yeah. Just just for a meeting. Then you braid your hair for a meeting after that, Charlie is done. Or you dye your hair for a meeting. One lifetime, we all dye our hair. We do it when, it is, there's no hard and fast bend rules, rules to it, but the ministry of the Spirit. Listening to the Holy Spirit and glorifying, letting your body and your mind and everything about you glorify God. Does it glorify God? That's the question. Does it glorify God? Whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Eh? Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks to God by the Father and the Father by Him. There's one that says, do it to the glory of God. And also I do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. There's one that says, to the glory, do all things to the glory of God. It's in 1 Corinthians 8. Yeah. That's all. That's the most important thing. Okay? Yeah. So we are here now. Pastor, I'm going for, I'm, I'm piercing. I see you, you have pierced seven. One in your nose, one through your tongue. Ah, what are you learning? Do, do you get it? That's the question. What I, when you came, you were okay. But you were fine. You were, we are not saying piercing is not okay. But what I'm saying is that you were, you were all flowing. We were all okay. Everything was working. And then all of a sudden, there's a piercing in your nose. A big piercing in your nose. Ah, are you a cow? Are you laughing cow? What's going on? You have pierced your tongue. Why? What has happened? What are you looking at? It means that you're looking at something you're not supposed to look at. That's what it means. Well, everything's right. No, there's a big, as you're coming to church, there's a big padlock in your mind. First Corinthians 10 31. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, look at this. It says, Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Does it glorify God? That's a question. Does it glorify God? Don't be asking me some things. Is smoking correct? Does it glorify God? Is drinking correct? Does it glorify God? Is betting correct? Does it glorify God? Can you come and give a testimony and say, I was smoking weed some time ago. And as I was smoking with my eye open, and I saw. I mean, you can't give that testimony because it doesn't glorify God. No matter what you saw, you keep it to yourself. Can you come and stand here and say, I was having sex with a certain lady. And as I was on her, all of a sudden, the Lord showed me a vision of my future. And I saw the glory of God. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. Hey. If you can't give a testimony like that, then you should know that it doesn't glorify God. 
whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's the answer to all the questions of those, all those type of questions. Is it a powerful thing? Beautiful. Yes, Eden. Um, I want to ask, do you need to be baptized before dining with Christ? Before dining with Christ? Yes. Emphatically not. The, when the apostles were taken in, the disciples of the day Jesus did it, none of them were baptized. None of them were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. There's John's baptism, which was baptism of repent. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, 2, and 3. John came preaching. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Do you see? So he was, his message was, Repent ye, for the heaven of, kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's another one in, uh, in Luke that talks about what he was preaching. Luke chapter 3. There's one in Luke chapter 3, there's one in Mark chapter 1. And he came into other country preaching the baptism of repentance. You see, this was what he was preaching. Baptism of repentance, Luke 3, 3. He was preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. It's not the same as the baptism we have when we get born again. When we get born again, you are baptized into the name of Jesus Christ. You are baptized, you are put in water to serve as a sign of what has happened to you in the spirit. That's in Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Look at Romans 6, 1 and 2. So our baptism is different from the baptism that they had. John's baptism. The baptism that Jesus, that comes after the born again experience, that Jesus said we should, is different from John's baptism. Okay? No, you know that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. That's Romans 6, 3, rather. Next verse, verse 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. It's not the same as repentance, baptism of repentance unto sin, those things. But like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. So it's different. So our baptism, okay, is not what qualifies us or disqualifies us from partaking in the Lord's table. That if you understand what the Lord's table is, then you would want to partake of it and not have a problem with it. The, the, the Lord's table is God's means of bringing changes into your life. If you don't partake of it, a lot of things, you will not be, you will not be changing. It's for everyone who is born again. The only qualification is a born again experience. Okay? Huh. And the other qualification is that you should do it discerning the Lord's body. You should understand that the bread that you are eating is truly the body of Christ. And the, the, what, the wine that you are partaking of, or the whatever, is truly the blood of Christ. That's, that's all. You hear what I just said? Even if you're a second wife, you can still partake of it. Being a second one does not disqualify you. I didn't say if you are following someone's boy. I said if you are a second wife. If you are following someone's boy, you need, you need, to, you need the word of God. You need the communion. You need to understand what it is. You need to understand that Jesus' body was broken for you so that you, you, are, you don't fool around. You need to understand that the blood of Jesus is speaking mercy for you so that you are not destroyed. So you need... I don't know if, you are, if I'm making sense. Yes. And, and that's what the Bible says concerning it. Okay? Yes, next question. Wow. What a blessing. Have you learned anything since you came to church? You see, this is a better way. You get to hear a lot of things, get a lot of answers to a lot of things. Yes, my brother. Sir, yes, sir. You know they say God is omnipresence. So my question is that I've asked the question many times, but some people gave me an answer, but I was not satisfied with the answer. If God was omnipresent, when Satan was giving Adam and Eve the apple, he saw it. Why didn't he stop it? Why didn't God also stop those people when we were going to fornicate? He's omnipresent. He's seeing. He's all. He's all present. It's true. He's there, he's everywhere. 
But that does not mean that your will can be overridden by God. God, if He said our will should not be overridden, so if they say God is our Father, right? So what Father we see His Son giving poison to another of His Son and do nothing about it because He doesn't want to take away the will of the child? In this case, it was not a child. It was a full-grown man. Have I answered you? Adam was a full-grown man. He was not a baby. He knew exactly what he was doing. The Bible says that Adam was not deceived. Adam knew what he was doing. It's like you wanting to be a scammer. Your father is there. And he's seeing that you are scamming. And he's seeing that don't scam. And then you are still scamming. Like I'm prophesying to you now. Do you get it? Uh-huh. Is what I'm saying not true? It's not true. It's not true. Yeah, but I've answered you. you. Someone, you have father, mother, whatever. You are fooling around. Your father is saying, your mother is saying it. You are not, you are not doing it. Your father can't. God said it. God told them, don't partake of this. And they decided to partake of it. First Samuel chapter 2 verse 14. And Adam was not deceived. Adam was not, he knew exactly what he was doing. Do you understand? Don't think that God is like, God was there. He was just watching for them to go. He has spoken to him several times, countless times, and he knew what he was doing, and he did it. So it is Adam's fault, not God's fault. And a parent who does not let the child train the child to get to a place where he can make good decisions is not correct. It's not correct, parents. The purpose of parenting is so that your children can grow up to be able to make the right choices. God trained him to make the right choice, and when the time came, he chose wrongly. Rather, you should be thanking God that He made a provision through His Son Jesus Christ for everybody to come back. And not accuse him because he has not done anything wrong. If you have anybody to accuse, go and accuse Adam when you meet him. <laughs> have I answered you? Or you are still not clear? Say it again. I'm not satisfied with the answer. Okay, so what's, what is your question? What's, why are you not satisfied? I don't know the answer yet. I'm not just satisfied because I don't understand why parents will see their children doing something giving this god is our god is also the father of the hold devil on, hold on listen um how old are you 21 21 yes are you of, are your parents in ghana no you are who, how did you come to ghana i came to meet my brother you came my brother you came with your brother yes okay now do your parents know you are here yes they know you are here yes okay if are there things you have done now that you are in ghana that your parents don't know about or know about but you still do it anyway they don't know about everything i do but they know about some they know about some okay are there have you ever done any bad thing okay that you know that your parents told you not to do have you done it before yes oh thank you then it's okay we shouldn't continue do you understand i understand sir but But, 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 you, you are supposed to the doubt receive it. The doubt, I understand. It's not that I don't understand what you are saying, but the okay. doubt is still there. Because let me explain it again, sir. God is the father of the devil at that time, and God was also the father of Adam and Eve. Do you understand? Why father? would you when you say father? It's very, very wild. It's a very high statement to me. God created all things. Okay. Huh. But fatherhood is a different thing altogether. We are not, it's not everybody in the world who is a child of God. You want to be a child of God, you need to make a decision to become a child of God. So don't use the word father. God is, God is a judge. The word God means judge. 
Okay, he's he's creator and judge of all. Do you understand? Or you still don't understand that one? Maybe after church we can talk. Okay, so that we can close. Uh, and not yeah. yeah, my brother. But did you get the explanation I gave earlier? The guy was he was not deceived at all. He knew exactly what he was doing. And he he did it. Uh, if you read the Bible, you see that Adam did it in hope that God would do something about it. Romans 8 what? Pastor. 20. Romans 8 20. Yes. Pastor. How are you? Pastor. Yes, sir. Um, I want to ask about this question. It's about, about um, giving to God. Okay. Yeah. So the question is this. Um, those who mostly sell their body and use the um, undivious way to get money and they bring the money to God's house, is it acceptable or the person is supposed to keep it on him? That's the, my question. It's, it's, it's like uh, it, it, the answer I gave earlier. You get it. Huh. There are things that God does not approve of. Okay. Uh, our offerings must be acceptable to God. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, 2, and 3. Look at Malachi 3, 1, 2, and 3. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. He's talking about the coming of Christ. But who may abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appeared? For he is like a refiner's fire. When he comes, he's like a refiner's fire. The presence of God, or the presence of Jesus Christ, is like a refiner. Do you understand refiner? A refiner is one who takes impurities out of a metal or out of any other thing. Okay? And like a phallus soap. Let's read lighter version so you understand. But by whom may the day of his coming be uh, faced? And who? For he's like the metal testers fire and the cleaner soap. He's, he's like a soap that cleans dirty things. Next verse. He will take his seat, testing and cleaning the sons of Levi. He will clean everybody, burning away the evil from them as from gold and silver, so that they may, they, they may make offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Our offerings to the Lord must be in righteousness. If you don't learn to trust God, okay, the whole Christian walk is a walk of trusting in God. You don't need to sell your body as a prostitute in order to gain money to do something. You don't need to be a scammer in order to gain money to do something. You can earn money genuinely. Wisdom gives you prosperity, durable riches in righteousness, not in foolishness. Okay? Your offerings, because your offerings, you see, when King James says it well, when you are purified, then there are offerings will be acceptable. Go to King James, please. And he shall say such a refiner and pure of of silver. And he shall purify the sons of labor and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. It is after that that their offering will be in righteousness. Because the offering that is is not in righteousness is not acceptable to God. You can bring it, but God has not accepted it. That's the truth. Because what you are doing is not correct. I'm sorry. But that's the truth. And your giving will not make it correct. Will not make what you are doing okay. To not make it okay. Always remember that you can't buy the gift of God with money. You can't buy the blessings of God with money. You are not buying. We are not buying blessings. We are not selling blessings. When Simon the sorcerer tried to buy the blessings of laying on of hands with money, 
it was cast forever. Okay? Mm. So you have to be very, 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 very careful about that. It's either you're a Christian walking in the things of God and doing what you're supposed to do and giving rather than doing all kinds of foolish things and saying that I want to give. That's why I'm doing those things. No, it's not correct. That is uh, uh, righteousness gained by wickedness and it's not acceptable to God. I think that is spoke about who gets the glory. If you can't stand here, if you can't stand here and share that testimony of how, how did you, you get the one million dollars? that one million dollars, then you should know who My gets the glory. My mother don't pay. <laughs> so here am I, giving an offering to the Lord. Brothers and sisters, let us dupe people so that God will have more glory. You can't say that. Do you see? Uh-huh. So, get it clear. I mean, I know there are some preachers who don't mind. They don't care. They don't, but it's not correct. If, if I don't know and you bring it to me, I'll take it. It's not a problem. I'll, I'll spend it. But if I know, I'll not mind you. If you tell me where you got the money from, I'll not mind you. Yeah. And if I know, I'll not, I'll not mind you. That's the truth. Life is not about money. It's more than money. Life is about relationships. That's more important than money. Okay? Yeah. So, I don't know if I've answered you. And just learn to trust God. If you trust God, you see, one of the reasons why people love the world is because the love of the Father is not in them. 1 John chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abided in you, and you overcome the wicked one. Verse 15. Love not the world. Have you seen it? Love not what? Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, if any man love the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. Next verse. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. All this is, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And he says, if you love the world, then the love of the Father is not in you. Why can't you trust God to bring satisfaction into your life with the thousand cities that you have? Why do you want one million dollars to buy an S-class as a 25-year-old boy? Do you know what it means to own an S-class? You want it means to own a V8. Why do you want to get it? And you have to still to use money to buy fuel and buy more this. And a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. You don't need something. You don't need that iPhone 14 that you are going to have sex with this big man for. You don't need it to come and show it to who? Does it glorify God? You have a scripture. Proverbs what? 3.33, Proverbs 3.33. BB, Proverbs 3.33. Are you in the church? The curse of the Lord is on the house of the evildoer, but his blessing is on the tent of the upright. So never get into that, you know, those things. How did you get the money? I stole it. And I've come to give an offering. One guy was stealing a certain church's money. Kenneth Copeland's church. The guy had been stealing for years and he was caught. And he said, oh, but he was giving tithes. We are stealing the church's money and giving tithes on them. <laughs> so there's a corruption of the heart. That was, that was a problem of Judas. Judas was in the presence of Jesus Christ and was still stealing. Zacchaeus came to come and repent. Zacchaeus was a scammer, came to come and repent. Judas was stealing the money that Zacchaeus was giving. <laughs> It's a problem of the heart. 
which needs to be cured. When that is cured, you will do the right thing. Okay? Are we done? Maybe one last question. Okay, see that. Thank yeah. you, Debbie. You're welcome. Is my question. Um, when we are talking about surrogacy, you said that drugs... I was talking about what? Surrogacy. Yeah. You said that drugs is the way God keeps us alive to keep our faith going. So if you are sick, you keep on taking drugs like, oh, it's working. It's better than earlier. And you're still praying that God will give you total healing. And like 20 years, still praying, 30. And you give birth. And the sickness is like hereditary. Then your child gets this. Is this you still give like, birth through you a give birth. No, you give birth and the, the sickness, your yeah. child gets it from you. Yeah. So like you are still, oh, God will do it. Is it that God is still like recording my, my call? He's going to answer later or healing is just not for the person. Thank you. <laughs> you know, the, the problem is this. God is not going to do it. God has already done it. The day the person gets to know that God has already done it, he will get healed. All the struggle is to get to know that God has already done it. That's all. I've said it, but you may not know it. You get it? That's what revelation Revelation, eh? The distance between your head and your heart is farther than the distance from the earth to the moon or to the sun. It's very far. Knowing something in your head, knowing it in your heart, are two different things altogether. You can hear something, but it's not in your heart yet. You need to meditate on it. You need to think about it. You need to pray about it for it to seep down into your heart so that it can become effective. When it seeps into your heart, then it starts working in your world, whether you are looking or not looking. Please, you understand? So, the purpose of God giving you time is so that you will know His Word. Okay? If you don't spend time to know His Word and you are just focused on taking drugs and taking the drugs, then it will get your children and your children's children and keep going and going and going. So you want to cut it. How? By getting to know what God has said. Okay? Staying on God's word until the day when you can climb out of that particular challenge that you have with respect to. There's nothing like healing is not for some people. No. Jesus healed all. All. Matthew chapter 4. Verse 20, 22. All. Say all. 26. 23 rather. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness, and all manner of, the, of diseases among the people. Next verse, verse 24. And his fame went through all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse different types of diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy. And he healed them. He healed everyone. So there's nothing like this sickness is too big for God. No. It's all. And you see, first Peter chapter 2, verse 24, lets us know that by his stripes were ye healed. Eh? Who being dead, uh, who in his own self bear our sins in his body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. But it's past tense. Your healing is not going to come today. It's, it was on Jesus' body when he was on the cross. He took it. But you don't need to bear it now. If you understand that, you don't need to bear it now. Then you say, I'm tired. Devil, take your sickness. I'm free. And you'll be free. Do you understand? 
Rise up upon your feet and thank God. Now, maybe you have a, a sickness in your body. I want to pray for you right now for your healing. But first of all, I want us to thank God for what you have shared with us, all the questions that has come and all the answers that the Lord has provided. Thank God for clarity, for bringing clarity, for helping us know that we must do all things to his glory and not to our glory. Give him glory, give him praise. Thank God. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastoti podcast. Simply search for Pastoti on any podcast app. Plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God.